0: Alright, right, Luke 18, verse 18. The Bible says, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother and he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now, I must comment on the dispensational difference here. The man asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus lists a bunch of commandments. That's different than Paul in the Pauline epistles, isn't it? Amen. Yes, amen. Paul says, by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Is there a contradiction in the Bible? No. Sure. One's in the Old Testament. Remember, the New Testament's not in effect until the death of the test One's in the Old Testament, so even though we're in the New Testament as our Bible uh, calls it because of the fact that it's telling about the death of Christ, the other's in the New Testament after the death of Christ. So don't uh, we don't have to explain away our Bible or look and see what the Greek really meant or any of that stupidity. We just take our Bible from what it says in the context where it says it. And if that makes everybody mad from here to the latest fundamentalist institution it'll just have to make them mad we're going to stick with the book Amen. so he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus gives him these commandments verse 21 and he said all these have I kept from my youth up now when Jesus heard these things he said unto him yet lackest thou one thing sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come follow me and when he heard this he was very sorrowful for he was very rich. Wait a minute. Did I read that right? How many of you, if you found out you inherited a million dollars from a long lost relative or won the sweepstakes or something and suddenly had millions of dollars, how many of you would be very sorrowful? (laughs) Did you know that riches bring sorrow? This is not commonly understood in the United States of America. People think Wrongly, that they get a good feeling by getting money, by saving money, by in some way increasing the amount of money that they have. Does not work. That is incorrect. That is a common fallacy. You said, Oh yeah, I saved money on such and such, and I got a real good feeling. Oh yeah. You get temporary good feelings for money. I'm not denying that somebody came in and handed me a million dollars today, I I will not deny that I would get a temporary good feeling. (laughs) But let me tell you what that million dollars will never do for me. Give me any sort of lasting joy or happiness. All the problems in life are not fixed by any amount of money as far as the lastings. Temporary fixes? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But here is a man who was very sorrowful for he was very rich. Love and money is the root of all evil, which some having coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with what many sorrows, not one or two, many money will not help you in the overall joy of your life. It will buy you, you know, a nice meal that you'll feel better about temporarily. It'll get you some security. It'll get you over a bump in the road. But lasting things, it can't help at all. When he heard this, he was very sorrowful, verse 23, for he was very rich. Verse 24, and when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, and they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men, are possible with God. All right. Now well, that's the rich man of chapter 18. Now let's look at the rich man in chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. One was very sorrowful, and the other was joyful. Verse 7 And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Now, of course, if you know the story of the publicans and how that they were uh, receiving uh, money uh, for the government, which, of course, was the Roman government, not friends of uh, those that were so faithful to Israel, you know how it stuck in the craw of some people for Jesus to say he's the son of Abraham And he's over on the other team in, in, in a sense. But Jesus said, you know what? Salvation has come to this house. Verse 10. I love Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to preach this morning on two rich men. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you bear witness to the truth of your word and help us to see some great things, Lord. Open our eyes. Lord, we we miss them on our own. Open our eyes. Unworthy though we are. God pains me to say how unworthy I am, but I thank you, Lord, that you speak to me, and that I have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So Jesus had just explained how hard it is for rich men to enter his kingdom when he passed through Jericho for the last time. Now, Jericho, the meaning of the word means place of fragrance, but it was placed under a curse, if it's the same one from the book of Joshua, at least a city of the same name, was placed under a curse after Joshua defeated defeated it. In this cursed city a rich man named Zacchaeus his name means pure had an unquenchable thirst for the knowledge of Jesus. Even when his short stature kept him from seeing Jesus his intense interest prompted him to climb a sycamore tree so he didn't miss nothing. Now let me tell you something when you want to get to Jesus you'll get there. I mean you really want to get there you'll get there. The one thing that will make you not have a relationship with Jesus is when you turn around and choose not to have it. Amen. Jesus didn't reject the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler rejected him. He decided it was going to cost a little too much, and he left sorrowful. Zacchaeus took him, and Zacchaeus received him joyfully. You have a choice. We preached at the mission last night where Moses was in his last words, some of his last words there to Israel saying, I set before you, death and life, choose life. And I preach a similar message to you today. You can be like the one rich man or the other rich man. I tell you, to receive Jesus. Now, salvation is free. You know, we're in the New Testament now. It won't cost you anything. But discipleship, now that may cost you everything you want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, it may cost you everything you have. But Amen. don't worry about it. Joy will be yours. Jesus said in Matthew 13 in those kingdom parables, he said, kingdom is like a man that finds a treasure in a field. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Salvation, Jesus gave everything he had. Discipleship, you've got to sacrifice everything you have. But what did that Matthew 13, say? He said, for joy thereof, he hid it and sold all that he had and bought that field. If you realize what a treasure Jesus Christ is, you'll sell all you've got and buy that field that that treasure is And That's what uh, Zacchaeus understood that the rich young ruler did. Jesus wants to fellowship with those that want to be with him that much. So he told Zacchaeus to hurry down and spend supper with him. When I was a little boy, a preacher was preaching all these things, and he said, Zacchaeus, it says he made haste. <laughs> it says he stripped every bit of bark off that tree coming down there so fast. Zacchaeus, as the chief publican, used to being a man with authority, used to having the money and the power where he told other people what to do and a poor carpenter comes to him and orders him around and he can't wait to obey him. <laughs> How come there are some Christians been saved for decades and they either disobey or drag their feet about obeying Jesus Christ and this crook, and let's just be honest, most of the publicans were crooks, couldn't wait to obey Jesus. What is going on in that dynamic? Amen. Isn't that interesting? So, Hey, sometimes those of us that are Christians and sit in church pews overestimate our goodness, don't we? Yes. Amen. There are some crooks that have a better heart toward God than some yes, of us. Yes. Amen. And I hate to say that. I get no joy out of it. Maybe it was the fact that Jesus recognized Him. You know, He looked up. As far as we know, Jesus and Zacchaeus never had any relationship, and yet Jesus looks up, knows him, and calls him by name. This this same thing really impressed Simon Peter, and it impressed Nathaniel, and it impressed the woman at the well. That he knew all these people. Jesus knows you. Maybe that's what got Zacchaeus' attention. But whatever whatever it was, he received the Lord, he repented publicly, and he lives with joy from then on out. You and I can do the same thing. Now what qualities made Zacchaeus receive the Lord when so few rich men do? The one in the previous chapter didn't. Let's look at several things about Zacchaeus, some of which attracted the Lord's saving power to him. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that has not received the Lord, I hope you'll learn the attitudes from this short publican, formerly crook, and received the Lord Jesus. Alright, the first thing I noticed about Zacchaeus is he did have regal standing. He was way up there. It says in verse 2, he was the chief among the publicans and he was rich. The truth of the matter is, when somebody's famous, when somebody's powerful, you do notice them. Mm -hmm. If if a head of state walked in here uh, today, some people would notice. If the richest man in town walked in, some people would notice. If a celebrity walked in, some people would get it. And uh, Zacchaeus had that kind of authority and he had that kind of notoriety. Military officers, monarchs, politicians, celebrities, all these kinds of people are noticed. But you know what? Usually it's not them that get the blessings of the Lord. The Bible says clearly in 1 Corinthians 1, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Don't worry if you don't have the respect and the admiration of the world. That just means God can use you. If people mock you and make fun of you and make you look stupid in front of everybody, you're in a perfect position. Mm-hmm. And if as soon as you walk into a room, everybody notices, oh man, there's so-and-so. It is very unlikely God will ever use you. I'm not saying that because I get any joy out of it. I'm saying that because 1 Corinthians 1 says, not many. It doesn't say not any, but it does say not many, does it? highly unlikely. God doesn't use those and why? He even gives the reason at the end of that little passage we just read that no flesh should glory in his presence. The perfect situation is to be like Jesus. Amen. How was Jesus treated? There were people that understood the power he had and there were plenty of people that had no use for him, despised him and made fun of him. And if you're in that sweet spot you're right there. <laughs> that means the Spirit of God is in you and some people notice. And that means because the Spirit of God is in you, some people despise you. That's a great place to be. What, how did Paul say it? I know how to be abased and how to abound. I know, he, he knew about being honored and he knew about suffering need. That is a sweet spot to be in. Have two or three people that can't stand you and disrespect you often. Keep you humble. Have some people that realize, you know what? He does know the Lord. The Lord does work through him. Boy, that's a great place to be. Because now you got the power of God, but you also have something to keep your flesh humble. That is a fantastic, ideal situation. Now God can work. So here is the authority. But not only that, wealth. Just flat out money. Brings a certain amount of power with it and prestige, does it? Does it not? So Zacchaeus had regal standing, so maybe that's part of what brought attention to him. Here's something else. He recognized the Son. It says in verse 3, he sought to see Jesus. It is real good when you realize the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But others did too. Herod, the Bible says in Luke 23, 8, when he heard that Jesus was coming, said he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season. He hoped to see some miracle done by him. But when Jesus wouldn't do the little, you know, sideshow what he thought was probably just magic tricks, he wasn't interested anymore, and he rejected Jesus, and they mocked him. But the rich ruler here over in Luke chapter 18, Soon as he heard it was going to cost him something, he said, "Well, forget that," and he left very sorrowful. But he did leave sorrowful. He knew that it was costing him something to not have Jesus. But folks, it'll cost you something not to have Jesus. Now I'm taking for granted talking here in a Bible-believing Baptist church, and I'm talking to saved people, at least for sure, for most, for the most part. There's some of us safe people. Jesus is our Savior, but He's not our King. Amen. We, we don't do hardly anything He says. Yeah. No. He sought to see Jesus. He wished to see Him. But I'll have to say the rich young ruler did too. It says uh, in one of the parallel passages that the rich young ruler came running to Him and kneeled before Him. I mean, he knew Jesus was important. Listen, folks, just knowing Jesus is important doesn't mean you'll go through with accepting him as your Savior. There are people all over the Bible Belt that heard Sunday school stories ever since they were a kid, and they know there's some power to Jesus. They just never took the time to receive him. And there are some saved people that did receive him, but they never took the time to get to spend any time with him and get to know him and live for him. Just because you know there's some importance, just because you run to him and kneel down showing him some honor doesn't mean you'll receive him or that you'll honor him. But Zacchaeus goes a little further. Look at verse 3. And he sought to see Jesus, look at who he was. What did the rich ruler back in chapter 18 want? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What can I get, Lord? What did Zacchaeus say? I want to know you. Hmm. See the difference? Now don't get me wrong. I don't blame you for wanting eternal life. When I was a little boy, I got scared I'd go to hell. And so I got saved. So I'd have eternal life. That's a real good desire. But notice, Zacchaeus went even further than that. He wanted to know Jesus. I'm not correcting the rich young ruler's desire. I'm just saying Zacchaeus was even better. He wished to know him. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 he's counted all those things that he used to have such pride in and his background and his religious upbringing. Counted those things but done that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know the you know what can be wrong with the Christian life of a good, of a pretty good Bible-believing Baptist that has his doctrine right and has most of his practice right and does some good things and stays out of trouble. And I appreciate that. I, I appreciate everything I just said. Those are good, important things. But you know what can be missing in your life? You don't have much of a relationship with Jesus. Amen. I'm glad you got your doctrine. I'm glad you're practicing. I'm glad you don't do you know the bad habits that you, know, <laughs> you know, get you in trouble. I'm glad you, I, I believe in all that. Those are all good, helpful things. But there will always be something missing in your Christian life if you and Jesus aren't close. Yes, I know. Recognize the son. He wished to see him, but he wished to know him. I'll tell you something else about Zacchaeus. He realized the seriousness of the situation. And this is a good and important thing but even the rich young ruler realized this he came running and kneeled and realized eternal life was at stake. You've got to admit whether you're going to go to heaven forever or go to hell forever is a real crucial issue isn't it? Amen. So even the rich young ruler realized this was a real important thing Zacchaeus did too He overcame obstacles. He was little of stature. I've been in places before where there was large crowds and we were all pressed up against each other trying to see something. I'm like Zacchaeus. I'm a short guy. And I couldn't see nothing. I mean, I couldn't see over the tall people. I mean, there's plenty of women taller than me, let alone the men. I couldn't see what in the world was going on. You know, I couldn't see over the people. You know what Zacchaeus did? He didn't let that stop him. Jeremiah 29 says, Ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you mean business, being short is not a big enough obstacle to stop you. Psalm 63, 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. He overcame obstacles because he was serious about it. He obeyed urgently, immediately. He ran before in verse 4. He said, well, wait a minute. If Jesus is coming, he's coming, and i got to get here to see him. Well, if, if I don't get up in front of the tree ahead of time, I won't be here when he comes by. When something's real important to you, that's the way you think about it. When something doesn't matter to you, about the time it's ready to start, you start trying to get ready. And goes, oh, I guess the time got away from me. Oh, well. Zacchaeus did not say, oh, well, the time got away from me. He was there early. He was there when he saw the obstacles. He still had time to get up in the tree and overcome the obstacle. When you just, eh, I don't care. Oh, it starts at 11, well, about 10.55. I'll see if I can go. (laughs) Not the same same, uh, sense of urgency at all. He obeyed immediately, urgently. In verse 6, when Jesus calls him down, he made haste. Second Corinthians six, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If you realize the urgency of a situation, you don't have any trouble getting ready for it. Yeah, amen. He had regal standing. He recognized the Son. He realized the seriousness of the situation. Now, thank God, most wonderful turning point is found in chapter 19, verse 6. Second part of the verse, it says, And received him. John 12 says, As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on His name. When you receive Jesus, it's done. Tis done, the great transaction's done. I am my Lord's and He is mine. You don't have to do anything to pay for it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. When you receive the Lord Jesus, you are a son of God. And He received it. Now, notice this. I said he received him. I didn't say he started going to church. I didn't say he enrolled in a system or a manner of life or a lifestyle. He received a person. 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I don't care if you do sit in a church pew. I don't care if you do give to charity. I don't care if you are a, nice person with a real sweet turn that isn't what saves you Amen. some of the most saved people I've ever known are some of the most ordinary people yes. I've ever known <laughs> I just don't like them there at that church Yeah, well, a bunch of them might be saved because salvation did not talk about what, how sweet of a person you are, it's talking about whether or not you've received the Lord Jesus and there's some real sweet people that I don't understand why but they reject Jesus Let me tell you why there would be a lot of sweet people in hell. They didn't take the Lord. That's why. He received a person, not a system. And when he received that person, he received joy. He said received him joyfully. Verse 6. Though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1. John chapter 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Are you tired of not getting what you want know out of life? Whenever you get real good and tired and you really get serious and you want to have a joyful, rewarding life. Not a perfect one. Not one that won't have some disappointments and setbacks. You know, even Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all of the saints have all had disappointments and setbacks. But if you want an overall life of joy, let me tell you what to do. Receive the Lord Jesus. Number one is your Savior. Number two is the Lord of your life. Amen. After you're saved. Now that will be a rewarding, joyful life. It will not be boring. It will not be dead. The minute your life gets boring, you ain't out there working. You ain't out there fighting. Now it'll get frustrating sometimes. It'll get disappointing sometimes. You'll have some setbacks sometimes, but the overall trajectory will be up, up, up. The Bible says the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. It gets better and better. Whereas the devil's crowd, they're constantly looking back to when they were younger. They can just get back in them glory days because it's going back, down and down and down for them. Do you want to be headed up or down. If you want to be headed up, get a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him as your Savior, number one. Start living for Him, number two. And the basic general direction will be up, up, up. Even though there will be troubles. Going forth with weeping, sowing for the Master, though the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, He will bid us welcome, and we shall come, what? Rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Amen. He received the Savior, received joy. All right, I'll tell you something else about him. He repented of his sin. Nobody came to Zacchaeus and said, All right, Zacchaeus, if you want to receive Jesus, here's what you're going to have to do. You know how you publicans tend to be crooks? You're going to have to give that money back. You're going to have to apologize to the Jews for siding with the Roman government. You're going to have to apologize for the lust you did and the covet. You've definitely been coveting way too much money. And the the lie you told, nobody had to tell him any of that. It doesn't say that anybody went to Zacchaeus and told him, you have to do this. But let me tell you about Zacchaeus. He volunteered. (laughs) Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. You know what that is? That's repentance. That is a change of mind. Most rich men will not just give up half their goods to give to the poor. Now, there have been some exceptions that did. And wow, I'm impressed. But I don't pick up. That's what Zacchaeus had been doing. Nobody went. What does that mean, Zacchaeus? You've been doing that all along. (laughs) No, this is repentance. And for most French people, this would be repentance. Furthermore, he goes goes past that. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. It would have been one thing if he would have said, I'll give it back. And then said, okay, I'll give it back with some interest. He said, I'll give it four times. That's somebody whose money has no hold on him. Amen. When he says, I'm giving half of it away and all the people that I may have cheated, fourfold I'm repaying That's repent. You know what that is? That's a changed mind. Yeah, amen. I do like to see when somebody gets saved and there is an obvious change. Not saying works are necessary for salvation in the New Testament. Not saying that at all. But isn't it is a blessing when somebody changes and you can see God all over. Them? Amen. Yeah. He repented of sin. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish, Jesus said. Ignorant, this type of time of ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Paul said he was preaching Acts 20 repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ repentance, repentance, repentance throughout the New Testament. Changed attitude about money. Half my goods I give to the poor. I'll tell you something else. It was a changed attitude publicly. He stood and said, there was a crowd around. There were people talking. And he said to the Lord, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. He repented of sin. But then he went further than that. He restored the stolen restitution. Exodus chapter 22, the Bible says if you've taken something from somebody, you you repay it. Luke chapter 3, when the publicans were told uh, from John the Baptist what things they needed to do, you know what John said? He said, exact no more than that which has appointed you. Well, apparently that possibility had come up with Zacchaeus because he says, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, So he was volunteering to make restitution of the stolen and volunteered to pay a large penalty above the stolen when he said he'd restore it fourfold. Here's a man with regal standing. He recognized the son. He realized the seriousness of the situation. He received the Savior. He repented of sin. He restored the stolen. And the skeptics show up. Verse 7, it says... And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guessed with a man that is a sinner. All right, what is the reply to the skeptics? Number one was that Zacchaeus changed life. You cannot deny that Jesus did something in Zacchaeus' life. Do you think for one moment that Jesus just helped him adjust a little bit? No, this is a completely changed man. Number two, if he is a sinner, and certainly he was, Jesus came to save sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Next time you're trying to witness somebody, next time you're trying to help somebody that admittedly is in a bad situation because of their sin, if somebody was to question you, just say, that's what we're here for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost Luke I'm going to read to you since we're already in the book of Luke I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 5 I understand that this is under the Old Testament still because Jesus hasn't died yet in the narrative here in Luke chapter 5 but it is being written by Luke who had the Pauline revelation, so he's able to write this from that perspective Luke five twenty seven And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners?' And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the reply to the skeptics is, Hey, you've got to admit something happened to Zacchaeus. He's a changed man. Number two, that's why Jesus is here, to reach the lost. I'll tell you something else that's a good reply to the skeptics. Sinners love more when they're forgiven. I appreciate anybody that's raised in a clean Christian house and a clean Christian environment and good old-fashioned Bible-believing Baptist churches and never gets in any trouble. I appreciate that. That's best. Yes. I am not preaching against that in any way when I say this. But the one and only drawback to that is that is the only way you've ever seen it. And there is no way you understand the difference the Lord makes like somebody who has been in sin and God brought them out. You do not appreciate what you've got. Again, I'm not preaching against it. I hope that's the way everybody we can influence comes up. Saying every situation in this world has some disadvantage, and the one disadvantage to never getting in trouble is you don't realize the power of God and what what all He's done for you. Look at Luke chapter seven, where the Lord says this real clear. <throat> Luke chapter seven, verse forty one. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, oh, I love that phrase, neither the one that owed 50 or the one that uh, owed 500, either one of them had anything to pay. Well, it wasn't one any better off than the other? One owed more debt, but neither one had any more than the other had. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. There is a natural tendency among those that see themselves as clean to not love the Lord as much as somebody that sees themselves dirty. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, Thou hast rightly judged. Look out for that, Christians. I'm talking to some people saved here a long time. And you've been out of that stuff a long time. And I'm glad you have. Don't forget what Jesus did for you. Yes, Roll back the curtain of yes. memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from. And where I could have been. Yes. Just remember I'm human. And humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Anytime you're trying to help some poor sinner and you get tempted for a minute to think that you're any better. Hey, listen, you've got nothing to pay either. Mm -hmm. And remember that, number one, there's some pretty bad things you did you probably just don't think of very often. Mm -hmm. Because it's been a long time ago. And number two, if the situation would have been slightly different, you may well be doing worse than that person you're trying to help. Is just by the grace of God the circumstances didn't go that way. Yeah, so the reply to the skeptics is number one, Zacchaeus had a big change life. Number two, Jesus came to save these kinds of sinners. Number three, sinners love more when they're forgiven. They sure do. Now the last thing I want you to do is go out and get in sin so you can love more, okay? I don't want to be misunderstood. But I do want. Some people that think they're pretty clean to remember you're just as helpless to pay back your little debt as anybody else to pay a larger debt. Yes, amen. So the reply to the cynics or the skeptics, maybe this is why Zacchaeus got saved and the rich young ruler left sadly. He just didn't think he needed it. You won't see somebody get saved in many cases until they get lost. All right, what have we seen today? We've read two rich men, both were desirous to see Jesus. Both met Jesus. Both had wealth. Both had authority. Both probably had done some good works. But one received the Lord joyfully and one repented and changed his attitude and would not change his attitude or repent while the other clung to his wealth. One received the Lord and one left him. One repented and changed and the other one wouldn't. One didn't have any trouble giving up his wealth on a large scale and the other clung to it. The difference was that Zacchaeus received our Lord because he saw the superiority by faith of eternal riches compared to temporal riches. You say, well, I'm not getting anything out of this sermon. He's talking about these rich people and I'm not rich. Well, let me tell you about a couple of poor scum of the earth. When Jesus was nailed on that cross, there was a thief on one side and a thief on the other. And a similar situation happened even with those low lives. They both were mocking Jesus at first, but then one stopped. And one kept mocking, and the one that had recently stopped rebuked him and said, what about him? He hasn't done anything amiss. Both of us fully deserve this. Are you not fearing God in what you're saying? One of them began to realize, wait a minute, I'm about to face God. I better straighten up. And he turned to Jesus in an amount of faith that blows my mind. But it's one thing to serve a risen Savior and put your faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. But if you believe on Him when He's still nailed to a cross bleeding out, and it looks like he's lost for sure, that takes some faith. Because it sure doesn't look like he's winning a victory right there. God gave him some faith, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So here's two rich men. One refuses him, and one receives him. Here's two thieves. One refuses him, and one receives him. I want to ask you something today. Have you trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? You may have a lot of things in common with some people that have received him. But the rich young ruler had a lot of things in common with Zacchaeus. You may have a lot of things in common with some people that you're sure are Christians. But one thief had a lot of things in common with the other thief. But there was a big difference between the one that received the Lord Jesus and the one that didn't. Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? There is no other question more important in your life and eternity. What will you do with Jesus, which is called Christ? If you'll receive him, he'll save you. If not, you'll be damned in spite of some good redeeming qualities that you might feel like you have. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm talking to some Christians, and you received the Lord as your Savior, but you quit following him a long time ago. Yeah. I guess, in a manner of speaking, I could say you received him as Savior, but you've sure never received him as Lord of your life and King. You've sure never dedicated your life to him. Yeah. He gave everything for you. Is your all on the altar? I think about these things, I think about some of those great hymns and talking about what the Lord did for us. All this I did for thee. I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? If the Lord's speaking to you about some of these things. Here in a minute, when we have an invitation hymn, come to this altar. Tell the Lord Jesus that you'll take him. You'll never have a more joyful time than the day you receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Or if you're already saved, the day you gave him everything submitted fully to me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this chance to read and study Your Word. Lord, thank You for the interesting...